Wise speech from Proverbs on this edition of Truth and Love. Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. And this week, I am thrilled to have with us Dr. Jim Neuheiser, who is professor of biblical counseling at Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's also the director of their Christian counseling programs there in Charlotte as well. He's married to his wife, Caroline. And Jim is a longtime ACBC certified member. He's a fellow, and he also serves on our board. And I am so grateful to be working on a consistent basis with Dr. Neuheiser and the wisdom that he brings and the way in which he is a wonderful sounding board to me on so many issues. And I just really appreciate his wisdom. And And he really needs no introduction to our audience at ACBC. He's uh, been a teacher uh, among us for quite some time. And Jim, Recently, you did a breakout session at one of our annual conferences on this topic, why speech from Proverbs, the beauty of words and the way in which God, by revelation, has given us words in language and communication and, and how we are to utilize those words. And one of the things you talk about is the beauty of a theology of words. Help our listeners to understand what you mean by uh, a theology of words. Many years ago, Paul Tripp wrote a book called War of Words, and I was really impressed by the fact he begins in terms of the fact the Bible begins with God speaking. He speaks the world and everything in it into being. And then the next voice you hear is a really bad voice, and that is of the serpent who is denying God. And then he talks about how everything that is said after that by anyone, including us, is either representing God's speech or the serpent's speech. And it provides such a more rich view of speech than just the common grace wisdom so many people in the world may think about. I mean, everybody thinks, hey, gossip's a bad idea. Lying isn't good. We don't want to hurt people with our speech. And not that we practice that, but people, there's general agreement those are good things. And it's especially my talk is from Proverbs. Proverbs has all these statements of wisdom that in some ways sound similar to Egyptian or Babylonian wisdom. And yet Proverbs begins in the fear of the Lord and covenant relationship with the Lord. And so it's not merely tricks to speak well, but it's actually in relationship to God, speaking his word, his words to others. And then, as you already said, and God has revealed himself to us in words and knowing him would be possible, impossible without those words. Well, that, that's really interesting way to describe it. And I love it because what, what you're doing, instead of taking words that we sort of flippantly utilize, or you talked about the issue of gossip, for example, and we sort of like look at that in 2D as something that's been splattered across the page and uh, we sort of give it value or, yeah, we probably shouldn't do that. It's a, it's a moral impropriety. But what you're describing is that God's revelation, our idea of words, it adds depth to it when we understand that this is this is placed within an understanding of who God is and how we speak, that what we speak is revealing. It, it says something about us. Are we saying things consistent with God or are we not? Now, now, this matters because words are a part of what we do in counseling, not just our words to the counselee, but even the, the words that the counselee gives to us, and they tell us something about the counselee. So, so what are some of the things that you learn about the counselee when you hear them speak? 
Yes. Like you said, counseling is words. We're talking, we're listening, and we're using the Word of God. Jesus in Luke 6 says it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. And so if you want to learn how to help the counselee, you have to listen. And oftentimes, even when people try to put on masks and hide their real thoughts and intentions, there's an expression I have is especially like with an abuser. If you just let him keep talking, he will hang himself with his words. And you just, as people keep going, you often will find out why they did what they did or what they believe that is behind what they did wrong, their bad theology, their wrong view of God, their wrong view of what they expect from God or how God treats them or that God is not a loving father. But, you know, and so listening is so important. You know, we often use Proverbs 18, 13. It's a folly and a shame to speak before you've heard especially to in counseling. And then, as you said, we also then use God's word to help people. And where there are many words, there's much sinning, the scripture says. We, we've got to be cautious about the way in which we speak, but it is helpful as a counselor when you're, you're asking questions and you hear people talk. You, you get a sense of how they're seeing life, how they understand life in relation to God or not. You, you get a sense of how they're interpreting what's going on around them, maybe justification, why they're doing the things that they're doing. It's revealing uh, about them. And, and listen, I, w- I wish this weren't true, but our words are often harmful. Sometimes the way that I speak, sometimes the way maybe that you speak, it, it can be harmful to people. The, the scripture even warns us about the volatility of our tongue and the dangers of it. And, and so, Jim, I want you to talk for just a second about how it is that we as people harm each other with our words. A verse I love is James one nineteen, which tells us we should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. And I even know for myself in recent days, I've had situations that were really difficult for me. And I wanted to speak and tell people exactly where they were wrong. And there might have been some accuracy to what I said, but there would have been transgression mixed in and just slowing down. And this is the thing I think where social media is especially insidious in that what I would say to someone I disagree with if they were in the room and I'm looking at him will be very different than sitting alone and typing on my phone screen the first thing that comes to my mind. And so I think, you know, our hearts are revealed by our failed words. And that's why we need to be so guarded in our speech, because there'll be things that come out of me that feel perfectly just or right. that may not, as you say, speak the truth in love. Sometimes something may sound true, and yet it's not edifying. You know, I, I may think this person is awful in a certain way, but that's not necessarily going to build them up to throw it at them. You know, at the same time, what's amazing to me is, yes, we we speak and sometimes flippantly and we're very harmful in the language that we speak. And, and sometimes that's unintended, but but it's harmful nonetheless. I, I think that's obvious based on us as being sinners. I think the more brilliant thing is that how is it that God allows us by our words to do something that is encouraging? to do something that's edifying, to do something that builds another pers- person up. What a stewardship, what a responsibility that God has given us. So, so what are some of the ways that we can think about building others up with our words? There are all kinds of categories in Proverbs in terms of sweet speech and all of that encouragement, affirmation. But I would go back to the fact that 
because our words are flawed, the more we can use the actual word of God with people. And that's what we do in counseling. That's where biblical counselors. It's very hard for me to construct a paragraph, a book, a sentence without there being something wrong with it. But if I am focused on the word of God, I'm reading it. My counselee is reading it. These are perfect words. It's been sad to me sometimes seeing even people who would call themselves biblical counselors saying, well, you don't want to get out your Bible too fast. You don't want to push the Bible on people too much. Well, what better do you have to say than that? And so our goal is, yes, we need to listen, but our goal is to deliver the perfect words of the Bible, which give encouragement and admonishment and hope and comfort the best possible words to help in every possible situation are found in scriptures. You have the law of the Lord is perfect restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And, and on you go. And so that's our privilege. That's why we want to be biblical counselors, is because even common grace wisdom that may not be awful is nothing compared to the perfect wisdom of the Word of God, which is life-transforming. And so the best way we can build people up is to not even just say scriptural things, which is good, but what is best is to bring the word of God to people. Well, what wise words, Jim. And I, I hope that we can take those things to heart, that, that we have a stewardship. We can tear down, as the Bible says, or, or we can build up. And, and that really is the intention. Now, I want to go back to something that I think you gave some wise context for. And, and even really in terms of warning, as you talked about social media and it's changed the way that we think. I mean, it's changed the way that we talk. It's, it changes the way that we address one another. Talk a little bit about how in the world social media really impacts our speech and the way that we talk. One thing that I think about even in terms of social media, where there's a proverb that talks about how the words of a gossip are like dainty morsels. And sometimes I think we can be attracted to social media or following people who will give us these dainty morsels that may actually cause bad indigestion or worse. We can be influenced. You know, there's language in the Proverbs about if you're with someone with angry speech, you may be tempted to imitate them. And so it's not just what we say, but to whom we listen. And sometimes because of our sinfulness, we like, especially when people who are in our tribe are shooting arrows at some other tribe we don't like as much, even if they do so in an unkind way or twist the truth, as long as they're landing blows for our side, we can read that, like it, you know, whatever way you do it in your social media. And then back to the slow to speech part is that there's so many things that just aren't my calling to address on social media. And the idea of being slow to speak, I mean, I'm old enough where before social media, even email, I would find that you know, somebody would send you an email you didn't like, and you, boy, in, in five minutes, I can tell him exactly why he was wrong and what I think of him. And I should never do that. You know, do not press send. That's the slow to speech part, that we have to be just careful with our speech, using Ephesians 4.29 as a filter. Let nothing unwholesome come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up, appropriate for the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear that filter would reduce the number of our words as well as the content would be changed. And, and what's important about this, I think, is it, this changes the value of our words, right? It is now the way in which we speak. It, it raises the, the stakes at, at what we're doing. I mean, it, even what you talked about on social media, much of that is speaking for ourselves. We're, we're speaking to defend ourselves, promote ourselves, build ourselves up. But the kind of words that you're talking about, 
the, the beautiful theology of words, and when we think biblically and wisely from the Proverbs about speech, is, is now this is a stewardship. It, it's a way in which we raise the value of the words that come out of our mouth in a way that's consistent with what God intended, which is to edify, to grow, to build others up. And that speech that's selfless, that speech that's focused on the good of another, it radically transforms the way that we we talk and the value of it. Now, we want to talk about that transition because the, the gospel, as much as we struggle and words are difficult, and sometimes we use words harmfully to defend ourselves, the gospel changes not just a little piece of us, it changes everything about us. And praise be to God that the gospel changes us in such a way that it enables us to change the way that we talk. And so I want you to give some expression to that. What, what are we talking about there? How does the gospel change or enable us to speak better? Well, as you know, the scripture says that when we become believers, we become a new creation. And so we who were speaking on behalf of the evil one all the time are now given the ability to speak in an edifying way in the image of God. Uh, when I was studying James years ago, in chapter 3, he's bemoaning how the tongue destroys. And he talks about how we've tamed all these animals. We can't tame the tongue. And it's interesting, there's a fairly obscure Greek word that's not used that often, but it comes up in one of Jesus' miracles when you had an untamable demoniac and shackles and everything else couldn't hold him. That's an illustration of our tongues where, I mean, you say, I can't believe I said that. I can't stop myself. Some people like lying is their native language. Well, what can happen? Well, at the end of the passage, when this man encountered Jesus, the untamable man became a man who was in his right mind, which also terrified the people more than his craziness did. But it's an encounter with Jesus, which can take us from being out of control in our speech to enable us to be in our right mind, to go from speaking for our own kingdom or the kingdom of this world and to speak for the kingdom of God. And it's only his transforming power that can do that. And so I think the dilemma that James bemoans is really solved as we're united with him, given a new birth, as James talks about in chapter one, and given a new nature, which enables us beautifully to fulfill the purpose for which God created us, which is to glorify him with our speech. Now, I don't know about you as a listener, but when I hear what Dr. Neuheiser is describing, I mean, it's a wave of just comfort and hope that God has given us through the gospel to to change what we know often is so difficult about ourselves. And he's given us a, a new person, a, a new heart. He's made us a new creation where we can think and speak differently for the good of others. Now, now I want to definitely talk about this topic, but you've got another resource that has contributed in this particular area of wise words or wise speech. In fact, this lady needs no introduction to our crowd at ACBC. Miss Caroline Neuheiser, your wife, has recently written a book, I think co-authored a book called When Words Matter Most. And she talks about this subject, I think, quite a bit. So introduce us to that book, Jim. First of all, the wisest person I've ever known with speech is my wife. She humbles me with how gracious, affirming, and yet now she's also learned to admonish me. She's the best Galatians 6-1 person I've ever known for gently encouraging me when I'm wrong. Yeah, and she and our dear friend Cheryl Marshall wrote together this book where it talks, it's mainly for women, but men can profit as well, just applying principles of scripture to help others with their words, even in terms of for those who are fearful or worried or suffering or falling into sin 
and how, you know, as it's been said many years on our movement, everybody's a counselor. It's just whether you're any good or not. Encouraging women, especially, to use their words biblically to build each other up as they have Titus two kinds of conversations with one another. So, yes, thank you. She is. Uh, they've done a great job, and I'm very proud of her. And uh, I think it'll help many to use their words well. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. You know, I thought it would be a really good thing for us to start the year off thinking about our speech in the way that we talk to one another. So much division happens because of the ways in which we talk to one another. And the soft answer turns away wrath. We need to learn to speak in a way that's edifying and grace-filled, as Dr. Neuhauser just described to us. I want to remind you, as members, a couple of things that are brand new this year. And we have been longing for this, waiting for this for several years to, to unfold our continuing education program. It begins this year. You'll have two years to be able to complete those CEUs. And many of you have asked some really good questions about those things. And that is now all unveiled on our website, the particulars of ways that you can get training, what counts for continuing education units. And all of that has been laid out on our website, I think, very clearly very plainly, you see lots of training centers that are offering training that counts towards CEUs. And you know, the CEUs is so important as we think about raising the quality of our counseling. We, we want to continue to grow as counselors. And so I, I pray that you will engage in this part of the ministry to, to be eager to be equipped further, because I want you to think about the counselee when they come in. I want us all to be ready to be equipped for the issues that they may be dealing with so that we are able and ready and knowledgeable and wise in how we handle the scriptures and how we handle them in giving them the best counsel possible. And all of us need to grow in that. And so I pray that you'll visit us at our website. You'll find out about all the trainings and you'll begin to target some things over the next couple of years that you can engage in that will help you to grow as a biblical counselor. So find out about those trainings and other ways that you can accumulate some of your CEUs at biblicalcounseling.com.